you're listening to Cerveza Escucha, a language justice podcast for interpreters and speakers of indigenous languages, folks who are preserving their native language and folks who are teaching others their languages. I'm Ada. And I'm Andrea, and we are so excited today to have three very special guests, Tuvini, Ologio, and Abel. Bienvenidos. Bienvenidos. Hamadi, Hamadi. Hamadi, Hamadi, thank you. Y'all probably have realized that today the podcast is going to work a little bit differently, um, and we are so excited to try this out. Um, so if y'all could get started just telling us a little bit about yourselves. Maga design. Nuga Matuhu, Abel Gonzalez, Dramengo, Tzatkani. I can start. My name is Abel Gonzalez. I'm from Ixmiquilpan, from a town that's called El Mote. El Mote is in Spanish, but in Yanyu it means where the water rests. I have been in North, North Carolina for 14 years, and I am very happy because I have a family now, my wife, my brother, my children. My parents are still in Mexico. I have a sister and another older brother there. Thank you. My name is Eulogio Martinez. I am from Ixmiquilpan, next to Maguey Blanco, a place that is called Cañada Chica. That's where I'm from, and I have also been here for many years. I have a family, two daughters, sisters, and brothers, and my parents are in Mexico as well. Here we dedicate ourselves to working and to this language in Yanyu, which we are trying to work so that is not lost. We are always trying to make sure that it's not forgotten and that those that speak it continue to speak it so that we can preserve our language. Even though we are far away, we need to keep speaking it. Thank you. Good afternoon to everybody that is listening to us on the radio. My name is Tobini Mastajo. I am from Mexico. My grandparents spoke Nyanyu, but they didn't teach it to my mother or to other family members. Later, I learned Nyanyu from the Valle del Mezquital, and now I speak it. I've been teaching Nyanyu for several years. I'm a researcher, teacher, and even 
Even though I have been an academic, as the years go on, I have become a speaker together with other people from the Valle del Mezquital and other variants of our culture. I know that I have Mañaño roots and I think it's necessary to help each other to be able to understand the deep meaning of our ancestors. I am very happy to be here speaking with you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, if, if, could you all share a little bit um, your relationship to language being a Nyanyu speaker what your relationship was like and while you were in Mexico and then particularly Abel and Eulogio um, when you migrated to the United States um, how did you feel that relationship and did that relationship change in any way? Ever since I was little, since I was like seven years old, I started learning Nyanyu with my grandmother. She's who taught me. I remember that at school, the other kids would want to put me down for speaking another language. This happens to kids everywhere. I remember the, them saying that I was ignorant or that I wasn't intelligent because I I spoke Nyanyu. As I grew up when I was like 14 or 15 years old at middle school, middle school, I didn't speak barely any Nyanyu for the same reason the other young people would humiliate you or girls wouldn't want to talk to you because you spoke Nyanyu or because you didn't speak Spanish like they did and they didn't want to speak Nyanyu because of the humiliation they faced racism was present there just like when i came to united states when i arrived in north carolina i thought everything would be different or better here but when i arrived i realized that it was the same there is a lot of racism and people like us suffered a double kind of discrimination back at home because you speak new and here because you are immigrant and you didn't speak the language that it's here which is the English it's a double discrimination and here I am now I'm going to fight I want to teach this language to my children so so that it's not lost I know it's hard for people that suffer back at home like where I'm from there are children that don't want to speak new as people grew up they don't want to speak it because they feel embarrassed but that's their way of seeing it and I'm going to work with how I see it. Eulogio, do you want to say anything? Anything about what you might have gone through there or here? Anything about the years you have lived? Bueno, 
Well, I grew up with Nyanyu. That's what my father and my mother taught us. That's how I grew up. We didn't learn Spanish until middle school. Then after middle school, when it was time to work, we weren't able to keep going to school. But then there was no work. So when I was 25, we came to the United States. We formed our family here. I have two daughters. One is 21 and the other is 16. And we're working on not losing our language. We want to show our children so that they can learn what we brought here with us and that they may take their language with them when they visit their grandparents in Mexico. We hope our language is not lost. I lived here in Mexico City. My mother didn't speak Nyanyu. My grandparents spoke it, but they didn't teach my mother. There was no one in the family that spoke it. After their generation, Nyanyu was lost in my family. Six years ago, I met people from the Valle del Mesquital, and I lived there for two years and learned Nyanyu. Then I returned here to the state of Mexico and continued studying Nyanyu. It's hard. There aren't many people that speak Nyanyu here where I live in the city. So it was hard to learn Nyanyu and all of the academics would humiliate me and bother me and say, you're such an Indian, you're such a Oaxacan, even though that's not where I'm from. But that's what they would say to me. Why do you want to learn Nanyanyu? You should study Chinese or French or other languages. Hmm. <laughs> But I also remember that in my Nyanyu thinking, I thought to myself, I am going to speak Nyanyu one way or the other, with people on Facebook and emails, on the phone, and now I have been teaching Nyanyu for several years, and I have been working very hard with the culture of the valley, del Mezquital. It's not the same experience as my brothers here, I'm not from there, but the tortilla has flipped. I used to be an academic, I have lived here in the city, but I went back and found my Nyanyu roots. I have spent days, weeks, and years connecting to the wisdom of our culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 <la
está honga, está honga, ata zemanat, ata heya, gato, ojiastubut, en gato, bueno, gato yanfadi de mañaki So I wanted to share a little bit about why you're here, besides that I love the three of you, but why we've invited you here to accompany us today. Ada and I work together for an organization that's called the Center for Participatory Change, and we organized a listening tour to hear what language justice means for different communities. We'd been interpreters for years interpreting English and Spanish, and we were defining language justice as interpretation, as if one was the same as the other. And we realized we were missing a lot of perspectives in many communities' language justice work. So part of this tour, we held a listening session at our house and I don't think I've mentioned yet that Abel is my husband and we hosted people in our home to share stories about language within immigrant communities. Some of the participants families had lost their ancestral languages generations ago and some still conserved their languages and there was this dialogue there. Then on the other side of this our youngest son whose name is Hyadi which means son in Yanyu and we really wanted him to learn Yanyu but we started realizing that it wasn't just enough for Abel to be speaking to him at home. So then one day I was at a store and I heard Eulogios speaking Nyanyu on the phone. So I went up to him and I said, I'm sorry to bother you, but are you speaking Nyanyu? And he just looked at me like, what? And then every time I saw him, I kept pestering and pestering him. And I think he wanted to run away when he saw me. But I just kept inviting him over to the house. I just really wanted my kids to grow up hearing Nyanyu. Creo que la idea era más como, pues para también ser, sentirme como un poquito más cercas a mis familiares que ya no están Tal vez más cercas como a, a mi abuela porque ella es la que... I think the idea came from a, wanting to feel closer to my family members that are, long, are no longer living. I wanted to feel connection. I, I wanted to feel that connection to my grandmother because she's who taught me my language. It was a little hard to convince people to come because most people think you... Why would... I need that language, but as, but as parents and guardians of children, you want to connect them to their roots. And it was parents who mostly supported the project, and that let us see that three are that there are people that are interested. So we decide we designed the classes. I think there were six or seven classes, and yes, there were a lot of people, maybe 20 or 18, maybe 16. The mostly families. It was was really cool to see people excited bringing their children seeing older people parents every everyone present it made me feel like well i had never had this experience of so many people listening to me everyone is looking at you waiting to see what you are going to say it was a new it was a new and different experience because i had never had a role like that before where i had to say okay they are going to learn from us i would choose say to Eulogio, well, let's do it. Let's see how it comes out. Entonces, pues era, era una experiencia diferente y, o sea, nueva para uno, porque pues yo en realidad nunca he estado como en un, en un papel así, como en donde, pues, ok, creo que ellos van a aprender de nosotros y pues ahora lo traemos aquí y entonces, pues, Aquí estamos, le decía yo a, a Eulogio, pues vamos a, a, a hacerlo, a ver, a ver qué. Bueno, en primer lugar, no lo imaginaba yo que iba a hacer eso, porque nunca yo tenía... Well, at first I was like, no, no, no. I couldn't imagine that I would do something like this, because I never imagined that I would teach with Omir Nyanyu. But I talked about it with my wife and I said, look, 
There's this woman who asked us to teach Nyanyu, and my wife said, yes, say yes. Okay, I said, I'll tell her, but I'm not prepared. I never thought we would teach Nyanyu to someone. I don't feel prepared. I never imagined we would be teaching what we know to other people. So, just going back a little bit to that hesitancy, Abel, I remember that you were hesitant about naming Hyadi. Um, Andrea was like, let's name him Hyadi, let's name him Hyadi. And I remember that it, it took some convincing. It was, a, it was a process. So, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, creo que esa fue también una de las primeras como tal vez como dificultades de poder como de como de regresar otra vez al porque yo ya era como dices no pues, like toda la gente se I think that was one of the first difficulties I faced. It was like being being willing to go back to that to what I had already been through. You remember when people made fun of you for speaking Yanyu and you are afraid of going back to that time where people would say would now say, Why did you name your child that? But that was when the tortilla fled for me and naming my child that was a deep experience. It was more than just a name como okay es es más adentro ya esto ya va más para allá entonces como que Yeah, and I feel like it really was a blessing that we ended up uh, naming him that way because that's been the way that I've discovered so many people speaking Yanyu here in Asheville and people that I've known for years but I just didn't know that part of them. So now I'll just be out at the store and I'll yell like, "Yadi, come over here. Yadi, ven acá." And somebody turns around and is like, his name is Yavi, and we just start talking. And so I've realized that there are so many people here that speak Nyanyu, and it actually is what allowed us to make many of the connections that made the class possible. And Tuvini, can you tell us a little bit about your project? Bueno, pues mi proyecto es más que nada es una iniciativa personal que surgió hace cinco años eh, por un factor, este, un poco a veces podría, a veces lo pienso y digo que es fortuito y a la vez creo que sí es causal, porque a veces no, no podemos, este... Como la, la deuda histórica que cargamos o la deuda histórica familiar a veces eh, pesa demasiado y, y la gran parte de la familia la hace un lado y a veces uno de nosotros mm. tenemos que volver a cargar. ¿No? My este project caso, is a personal initiative that came about five years ago. The debt that we inherit, the historical family debt that we carry is sometimes very heavy. And if most of the family doesn't carry it, one of us has to. In this case, I studied architecture at the National Autonomous University of Mexico. And I worked for years as an architect. I never imagined that I could learn an, an original people's language. I didn't know that I was of origin Otomi. And I say Otomi, quote unquote, until I was 20 years old during a conversation with my mother, with my grandparents had already passed away. And I decided that one day I wanted to learn Otomi, even though I don't use the word anymore. I got fed up with my work. I don't like working in closed-in spaces, and I started to work independently. It was very hard, and it's still hard, because I take completely critical position with my work, a completely political position, and it doesn't please academia, it doesn't please institutions, it doesn't please the state, it doesn't please society, because I question reality, I question tradition. The initiative is called Mastufu Original Languages, which comes from the name 
name that I created for myself when I was living for two years in Santiago de Anaya. It is a revitalization and dissemination project which creates projects with people in the community. Sometimes we say we work with communities, but that's not true. We work with people who want to work with us. I don't work with any official institutions. I don't do any work with the state. And I don't work, consider myself Mexican. I am Ñañú, totally and absolutely Ñañú. I don't consider myself Mexican ideologically, even though I can avoid the geopolitical aspects. But in my mental and ideological self, that is where I, that's where the change is. With the online classes that I hold, this is my third year. And there are six graduated classes. I was just looking back at how many students and it's around 25 which for me is a stratospheric number because for someone like me with this approach i don't receive any formal support and i know that like this initiative there are many all over the world there are millions of rebellious self-organized initiatives that are here in the stroke eh, y que bueno, creo que es una, es una, es una, son estas, son estas iniciativas que no, yo digo que no es la única como la mía, hay muchas en el mundo, eh, hay millones en el mundo que son rebeldes, son, son autogestivos, ahí están en el pie de lucha. Eh, a lo que voy es que es difícil, así como bueno, uh -huh. la historia que contaron este, mis cuadras, uh -huh. ¿no? I guess what I'm saying is that it's difficult, just like the stories my brothers told. It's difficult here in Mexico City. We are in a situation of violence, of femicide, of murders, of narco government, and obviously of persecution and censor, of a lack of support of critical voices, of people that want to create another path. As I say in a new, create another truth, another reality. This is what I work on, decolonization, in every sense. It is about identity, language, religion, and who likes it can participate in it and those who don't can continue on their way. A lot of people think that this initiative is very rigid, but I would say that's not true. We are not just a Facebook page. It's like you all. You are not just a podcast. You are a project based on people's rights and justice and it is about a lot more than being likable. <laughs> Es muy rígida, le digo, no, es que nosotros no somos una paginita de Facebook, somos uh -huh. un proyecto, uh -huh. así como en el caso de ustedes, ¿no? Uh -huh. no, son un, no son un pod, simplemente un podcast, uh -huh. es un, un proyecto comunitario de, de uh -huh. derechos y de justicia que va más allá de, de caerle bien a la gente o, bueno, agradar uh -huh. a la gente. Muchísimas gracias. ¿Anything else that you all want to add uh, to close? ¿Anything? Pues quisiera como... Uh, no sé, tal vez pues darles un ánimo a la gente que pues lo habla o que hable cualquier otra lengua. I would like to encourage people who speak Nyanyu or other ancestral language. I think this is really important. We are people that exist and we will not we will not be hidden by other people. Don't allow yourselves to be pushed or hidden just as the sun doesn't let its lights be hidden. We are more than that and we need to continue on. Like I've always said, we must continue forward. We speak our language now and if we don't bring it out words who will speak it after us ahorita pues hablamos y al rato pues si no lo uh, traemos afuera pues quién quién lo va a hablar después listo thanks to the studios of 103.3 Asheville FM WSFM LP in Asheville North Carolina follow Seves Escucha on Facebook and Instagram or Twitter at SVSE podcast 
And don't forget to share with your friends, subscribe, rate, and please leave us a review. If you have questions that you want us to answer in our last episode, email those questions to svsepodcast at gmail.com. On behalf of Manuel de la Luz of Mente Visuan Films, Leonel Gutierrez of GBD Productions, and Andrea Golden and Ada Volkmer of the Center for Participatory Change, CPC, thanks for listening. This episode is produced by Mente Visual Films and GBD Productions. Music by Combo Chimbita. Gracias. Muchas gracias. Camade. Camade. Gracias.